Welcome to the God is Not an Asshole podcast. If you are one of the many people done with religious dogmatism, hang on. You might sense transcendence, but your church or other faith community never seem to get off the ground. You realize that honoring your conscience means more than fitting in and keeping hard to explain rules? Hang on. You could probably think of the goodness in your tradition, and you tried your best to save that baby, but there's so much bathwater. Join your host, David Norman Moore Jr. in California and Carrie Connolly in New Jersey, who are collaborating to bring on guests who have found life on the other side of fundamentalism. Guests with stories of how they have liberated themselves from beliefs that divide us from each other. None of our guests' narratives are identical, but we hope you'll find something in common with each of them. We invite you to experience our common bond as we all inspire even more of us to embrace the true self. Wow. Well, uh, welcome back, everybody. Um, We are here with Mac James, PhD, who is a former fundamentalist Christian who left the church in his late teens and spent the next several years searching for a way to connect with the world around him. This led to him becoming a Buddhist in the late 90s and later a meditation teacher. His current interests lie in decolonization, equity, and diversity with a particular focus around the indigenous and rainbow communities. He currently lives on a small farm in New Zealand with his wife, son, two chickens, two pigs, and one mad dog. (laughs) And you talked to us before, Mac, about leaving uh, the private Christian school and going for the first time to uh, to a public school at the age of 15. And you, you made me think of, uh, you, you know, I had two kids in that school in, in the Christian school mm. at that time, very young. They're, they were younger than you. Mm. Um, yeah. David and charity, uh, charity and David. Yeah. Yeah. So we took them out of that school much earlier. So, you know, my heart goes out to you, but, um, I think, <laughs> She was maybe in second grade and he was in first grade or something like that when we when we took them out or maybe third and second. And we didn't realize what was going on. But, you know, to this day, charity just it's like they began to to blossom. You know, I mean, they changed as kids. And Mm. and and we're talking, you know, where we live. I mean, the demographic is is one point five percent. African American. So they daily still dealt with anti-blackness, but anti-blackness in the public school was so much better than in the Christian school. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> so go ahead and uh, tell us more about tell us about your experience. Well, I mean, uh well just to kind of uh, sort of just finish a little bit on so from the last episode, uh, I think it, to going back to Gordon Weber, um, not only did he so not only did he create this strange juxtaposition in my mind between uh, a Christian and uh, a Zen Buddhist falling in love, getting married, being and and raising kids together, ha- building a life, having a family, and doing it clearly doing it you know well well enough to be that successful, and then that was just a foreign thing to me. But he also he he dropped 
he started dropping things in like, and he did it. He was really, he was really cool about it. He did it all in an historical context, but he started dropping little bits of Buddhism in there, but just not, he wasn't indoctrinating us. He was just kind of going like, well, at this time, da 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 in history. And, and so he'd set it up all quite well. And he said, I want to make it clear to you, I'm not trying to convert you to Buddhism. That's not why I'm here. Um, I'm here to teach you about history. So that's refreshing in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. And this was 1988, 89, somewhere in there. Wow. So, um, it, so I started writing down these sayings of Confucius, these sayings of the Buddha, and um, in my little journal, and that I, I don't remember, I kept it, but I, I'd stash it away. And those sayings were really important to me for a long time. Again, it was something I held on to. And it was another, yeah, another pivot moment. And we obviously, we have a lot of those moments, especially as developing children. But, you know, it, that's another moment that I really kind of, uh, it was like another brick through my window and going, oh, wait, there's something more here. And I'm not getting it. I, it's it's all outside yeah. of me, and, and and I need to get out that I need to get at that knowledge. I need to get out what's going on there. Um, and so, yeah, I'm curious. I, I'm curious about something. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have have you retained any special thing? Any scripture from the Christian scriptures that are special in that same way? Is there anything there that you find redeemable? Oh, certainly. Um, I, I think at this point, it's really important to introduce. Uh, I went to Loyola Marymount uh, in Los Angeles. So it's a Catholic institution. Um, I had the. Um, sorry, it's really early and <laughs> I might get a bit teary. Um, yeah, so I met a guy named uh, Father Bill Fulco. He, he changed my life, absolutely changed my life. Um, he, he died. I guess about almost two years ago, if not maybe two years ago. And I can't think of another man who's taught me more than he did. Uh, but what, so what happened when I was at Loyola to kind of tuck into your question is um, I also studied theology as long I studied archaeology with Bill and also um, theology. And so it, you have to take the, uh, you, do you have to do a year of theology at Loyola? Um, and so at first I was like, oh, hell, this is going to suck. I'm, I'm not here for this, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, mate, you're at a Jesuit university. <laughs> and then when you get in, you realize this is, this is, these are some of the most subversive <laughs> guys I've ever met. <laughs> And, um, and then, and then it really helped me to kind of go, okay, we're here in the moment. I'm going to dig into this. And so, um, I, I can't, I, it's fun. The thing, the thing around the Bible is it's kind of funny. I'll remember things chapter and verse here and there. And then I think what probably came out of that experience was I was already practicing Buddhist by this point. And so First off, the whole experience actually I felt made me a better Buddhist. But at, and I think how that <laughs> happened was is that I was able to start to see Christ's message differently, and and it mm-hmm. was and it was getting in and looking at analysis and talking to theologians, talking to people who I really respected, talking to people who were not in a, you know, um, I was an older student, 
So I, I was in a different position than, you know, a lot of my peers. I, I, I curated the museum there. So I was more like a colleague. And uh, so we're having these really intense discussions. And it just, uh, and I think also seeing, seeing, oh God, I don't want to qualify it like this, but I, I don't, I lack, I lack other words, healthy faith, if you will, a faith that embraces so much. And it was, I think, um, Bill, who really, for the first time coming from a man learning about unconditional love. And that lesson took me years and years to learn. Like, again, it was a seed planting thing. And one day he and I were talking and he said, you and I love differently. And I was like, what? <laughs> he said, we do. He said, we love differently. He said, um, your love is a very grasping love. You, 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 you love someone, you, you really try to hold on to them. And he said, you know, and he kind of, he's very insightful about it. And then he said, but I love you for who you are right here, right now. You know, and I'm paraphrasing very much. And this conversation was many years ago. Um, and so I was like, okay, you know, and I didn't get, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. But I held on to the conversation and I'd kind of keep coming back to it. And I would say that it didn't fully, the penny didn't fully drop until my son was born. And I was just like, because mm. <sighs> my goal with my son, before I ever knew that he was, you know, different from a, I don't know, social perspective or framework perspective, it was that my goal was to love and accept him moment to moment to moment, every day of his life, and, and, and just be as present as I possibly could. And, and it was Bill in, in, in the, it was Bill who gave me that, or he, he gave me, he gave me the tools and then allowed me to pick up this tool so that I could empower myself. Mm. Um, and see, see Mac, you're, yeah. you're, all, you're pulling up, uh, this, this Western idea of tabula rasa where we are somehow informed to think that we're supposed to dump a bunch of information into our kids rather than see them as our teachers mm. and to, to realize that they come to us really fully formed in ways that maybe we aren't. Um, can, you, can you say something <laughs> about that? My son is my, 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 my first, my first son teacher, uh, he he said to me, "Your son will be your greatest master," and that is that is true. <laughs> he he shows me it's that mirror image, that mirror image. He just shows me over and over and over again. The biggest what I know, I I've made some doozies, some stupid mistakes in my life, but the ones that affect me the most now are are the ones that I've made as a parent. They rip me in half. Yep. And, but I value those, those moments as much as they hurt me, I value them because they, that was a pivot moment. That was like, okay, your parents are now coming out of your mouth, buddy. So you got to <laughs> get in and sort that out. Peel back those layers, dig deep. And he's kept me digging. He's kept me digging and looking at myself, looking at myself. And I just, I can't recommend 
um, therapy and and some form of practice, whether it's Zen practice or uh, Judeo-Christian practice or uh, Islamic practice, whatever practice you need uh, that appeals to you, therapy and being a parent. Because you're going to face things about, hopefully, I hope that people are facing things about themselves and integrating that wisdom, integrating those lessons and providing that example for your child. Because, I mean, I sw- that's what I started to get. This kid has got to watch me deal with my BS, unpack mm. my baggage, because that's the only way he's going to learn this as a kid is by watching me do it and me being open with him about it. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because it was being a parent and and the ferocious love that I felt for my parents yeah. that got me to stick up to God right? To stick up to the God that, and to stand up to the God that I had been force fed because there was no way that I was going to allow anyone to tell my kids that they were less than. And that was before I knew whether any of my kids were going to, who they were going to be, that, that one of them yeah. was going to be gay. I, that I, you know, like I just, the thought, just even the thought that somebody could make them feel less than brought out. Honestly, it was a little terrifying that the, 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 the emotion of protectiveness that I felt, and it was it, the ferocity that I felt around that. And it made me say, no, God, that's not, that is not the God that I want anywhere near my kids. You, you know, uh, Carrie, you, you reminded me of a conversation you and I had where I got outed for being inclusive uh, mm-hmm. with LGBTQ plus people denominationally. And, uh, and I got called into the presiding bishop's office. And after that meeting, my son was driving me to the Santa Barbara airport, my son, David. And I told him what I was experiencing in that moment. And he just said, he looked at me while I was driving and said, dad, I'm so proud of you. (laughs) And then about 20 seconds later, he actually pulled over on the side of the road and said, Dad, I'm so (laughs) proud of you. I would rather have that than all of the structural approval in the world. (laughs) Yes, yes, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, that's huge. That's Yeah, exactly. It's better than any. PhD. <laughs> it's like a top right? marks yeah. PhD. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, I think to kind of add into the, that particularly what you're saying, Carrie, around uh, that ferociousness when I went to, so uh, my son goes to a Catholic school here and the, he, he went to his, we put him in a school that went recommend that got highly recommended. He ended up being severely bullied. And, and this is before, this is before his, his, he started to transition and, um, but he's different. Um, he, uh, he's got a bit of a speech delay. Um, and he's also got something called auditory processing disorder. So, uh, which if, for those who don't know, means that he can hear what you're saying, but if he's in a crowded room, he cannot differentiate, you know, and filter all the sounds out. My son has so, the same, um, my son has that. Oh, <laughs> Distant high five. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when, yes. Yeah. When he, 
when he got when he yeah we you know when they when they got that mic and those hearing aids i was just in tears <laughs> like totally yeah I, I'm, not yes. even, I'm not even gonna pretend um but uh I know. so I know. so so when we get to this other, we get him to this Catholic school again, came highly recommended, talked to the principal, everything's cruising along. And eventually, you know, he, he starts, you know, he, he starts saying, Hey, I'm a boy. And, you know, so as soon as I heard that, I was like, okay, you've got my attention. And so luckily, you know, I've got enough background and an education to sort of sit there and, and and monitor things and watch how it played out and and just support him all the way through. So to fast forward a little bit, so at home, uh, outside of school, he's living his life. Um, at home, he's living his life out in the world, you know, so, but every morning he's got to get up, put that school uniform on, and it's something that mm. it, he does not identify with. And it's tearing him apart. I, I, you know, when you see a small child depressed, clearly depressed it, i mean it's it's shattering and knowing what that's yeah. like as a child you know being a child who dealt with depression i i was like okay i've got to do something i i've got to so i talked to my wife we decided we were going to meet with the principal and so i went to make an appointment <laughs> um i went to make an appointment to see the principal and we um I got called into the office right there. The secretary goes, oh, she'll see you now. And, and I was like, <gasps> what? And, you know, it's the principal. It's deer in the headlights. The next thing I know, I was hot in the office. But all of a sudden, I was like, no, 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 no. We're here. This is, this is you're in para mode. Guns blazing. Put those six guns out on the table, man. We're going <laughs> to we're gonna fry this goose. And so, yes. anyway, I, so I explained the situation to her. And I expect to be met with intolerance. I, I created a lot of structures that just weren't there. And mm. uh, luckily, I didn't overplay my hands or anything. Um, I tried to be <laughs> as amicable as I could in, in the meeting. Um, she then just said, okay, so where do we go from here? And I, again, I could have just doubled over and wept. Like, yeah. because, yes. of, because of the... the and so... When she relayed to me not too long ago, when she talked to the priest, you know, about my son and that he would be transitioning and this is all going to be done within the church and the school. Um, he said, he said, well, you know, that's great. God, God created him perfectly. So oh. he just needs to be who he is. And so that level of acceptance from the, I never expected from the Catholic church at all. And no, you know, I have chills. Another I insight. have chills. Like that's <laughs> yeah. If they Huge. have been Jesuits, Huge. maybe. But <laughs> but I think <laughs> for me, Catholicism, Catholicism has always always been there in my life. In in context, my mom converted from Catholicism to fundamentalist Christianity. Um, but as a Latino, you, you just you're Catholic, right? <laughs> it's very few of us who aren't at least baptized. <laughs> You know, I'm baptized Catholic. Right. That's actually how how my son was able to get into the school. <laughs> so mm. I played the hey, Catholic Mac, card when I need. You're, to. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna want to check out our our podcast with Cat Armas, Cuban American, mm. started out in Catholicism, moved moved into evangelicalism, kind, almost as 
I don't know, like her, like her parent, grandmother and mother really didn't know, didn't understand, and thought she'd find freedom in the uh, evangelical world, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know had to put on the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's called the name of the book is uh, Abuelita Faith. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I, I did. I'll make sure I, I check that episode out because I did see that. I actually, I was reading everybody's bios before from mine. So, <laughs> um, well, nobody's but, yeah, bio think... is, is like yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I'm, I'm so, I'm so glad to hear that because that's what I was going for. <laughs> Um, but but all that to say, uh, I think that as parents, like they're just connecting with what you had been saying, Carrie, around that ferocity, you know, I was I was ready to storm the place, you know, um, but it wasn't necessary, luckily, in, in that situation. Um, instead, I was met with unconditional yeah. love. That's amazing. And it's um, it's so it's so mind blowing. And I think it it reminds me to not always, you know, make the assumptions that I make out of a defensive posture from my own yeah. religious trauma, you know, and my, and uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's really, it's really interesting. And um, so, so I'm curious, you know, the title of the podcast, and I try to ask this every time I try to remember to ask this every time or something like this, every time we talk to a guest, I don't always do it, but the title of this podcast is God, God is not an asshole, Right. And I think that very often the guests that we're talking to have have at some point experienced a God who is an asshole, or at least a God that was presented <laughs> as an asshole, you know? And that's why it, it takes some work to, to get, like in seminary, I had a, a teacher who she said, you know, she, she was met with a group of, of students who were very concerned that it seemed that a lot of the people that were in seminary lost their faith as part of the process of going through seminary. And she was like, you know, because the deconstruction can be such a painful process, especially when you come in with so much certainty, <laughs> you know, I'm so certain about this. <laughs> and so she, she said something that was so powerful. She said, well, when you deconstruct, when you get to the, to the end, where it's all me- a big mess, you have to keep going. She's like, you have to keep going and rebuild something else. And so what I've heard mm-hmm. from you is that you you have um, found something like that in in Buddhism, and that you you did say that there was uh, some redemption found in the subversive nature of of um, your theology studies in in school. And so, so where do you where do you land now as far as uh, the question of is God an asshole or not? Or um, there is a I. I, and I, I know, I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't remember where I originally got this idea. Um, it's not, it's not full of my own. I'm, I twisted it over the years. But uh, when um, I'd given, I was, I was helping to lead a group and I was giving a Dharma talk. Uh, this is back in the UK. And um, I said that, because um, we have a lot of uh, practicing people, people who are practicing C of E who were in the group. And I said, um, so, you know, the beauty, the beauty of this practice in connection with your Christianity is that you get to let go of your constructs of God. And then they kind of looked at me a bit funny. And I said, Hallelujah. okay, so imagine this. <laughs> I said, imagine this. I said, so um, one day uh, you get a knock at the door and you go to answer it. 
And the person standing there says, uh, oh, hi, I'm God. Do you want to hang out? And um, so you grab this picture you have on your wall that's meant to be a picture of God. Sorry, you're not God. This is God. Put your picture up and you close the door. Um, So if we let go of this construct of what we think God is, I feel as though I wish we had another name. I wish we had another, uh, we could say something other than God. Um, Because what I feel in in myself, uh, and I try to relate to my son, um, extends far beyond that. And I can't, you know, it's a concept for me that's beyond words. I mean, there's a reason why Native ancestors used the terms that they did, um, the great mystery. You know, there's there is a and there's a reason for that because that's what it is. It's a mystery, um, and uh, so I guess for me, I can't define things or put them into any sort of category. And I and it probably stems from the fact that I don't want to because I already tried that and it didn't work out very well. Um, because <laughs> yeah. I was taught to try it and it didn't work out very well. So so. Like, you know, I guess everything, if I, I, I guess I feel it in that everything is alive. Everything has value and purpose. We, 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 we're all, you know, we all experience suffering to go back to Buddhism, I suppose, in that way. Um, but that's just a human fact. So I don't know. I think for me, I kind of look at, uh, in context to sort of an interfaith sort of thing, I'm looking for connective tissue. I'm, I'm looking for connective tissue, whether it's right. different schools of Buddhism, whether it's different faiths. And I think that the older I get, the more I'm seeing the connective tissue and the less I see the difference. You know, I know it's there, of course, and, 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 those, and, and, and that diversity is important to acknowledge. But I think when we're, when, we're meeting, when we're meeting from the heart, then all that connective tissue is right there for us. And, um, okay. So it's, so that's, what's important to me. <laughs> now that you, you bring that up and of course we know that, I mean, there's no evidence that Jesus identified as a Buddhist, but could you, could you see Jesus <laughs> as a Buddhist? <laughs> if, if, if we, if we, um, I forgot the name of the author who did that book recently. You, you probably both know off the top of your heads. Um, he did the verses of the, Jesus, the gospel, you know, where he's singling out what Jesus most likely actually said. Was that kind of akin to Thomas Han? Jefferson's book? N- no, he might have said something. It wasn't something, but, no, Han, it, no, no, no. It was, he said, I think he was a theologian or historian. I'll find the name of the book. I'll, say, I'll send it to you guys. Um, I've got a copy of it somewhere. Um, but when we get down to the core of, we get past the construct of Jesus that is designed in the Bible to help keep us in line and to scare us a bit, because we have, obviously we've got that juxtaposition in the Bible, don't we, between this really, really loving human being who's ready to lay it all down for us. And then on the other side, you've got this authoritarian who's, you know, you get yourselves together because, you know, and it, it doesn't. So I, I, I sort of veer towards, I'm interested in that loving guy <laughs> because I don't, I think that's yeah. all he was. Yeah. And I think to, mm-hmm. so to connect with what you're, 
you're saying, David, for me, the key aspect of, of practice or what, it's not the goal at all, a byproduct. There we go. The byproduct of any practice should be compassion and unconditional love. If we don't have those two things, then we need to go back and look at our practice. And I think at the core what? of no guns? Christ sat. <laughs> well, if I shoot you, I need to shoot you with unconditional love, right? <laughs> yes. So you've um, made me, you've challenged yeah. my thinking a little bit and you've pointed out something that I realized that I'm doing, that I, I have done. When you, when you talk about the, the constructs that we build for God, you know, um, and that really God is this mystery, I have noticed in my own self that I was so truly harmed. And I think a lot, some, many of our constructs come out of trauma, right? And I, I, I was truly yeah. harmed by the patriarchal versions of God, right? P- white patriarchal versions, course, yeah. but patriarchal versions of God. That now I cringe anytime I hear God referred to as a heat. Right. So I mm. either need a gender neutral or I prefer the divine feminine. Right. Um, and I, I realized that when you were saying, you know, deep mystery rather than divine feminine, like I need to perhaps re expand my, my, uh, my thinking of, of God past that, that divine feminine that was so healing for me. Right. But because mm. I'm also realizing that all that I'm doing is I'm, I'm transferring anger <laughs> onto the masculine, right. That I, that I have. And, and I need, that's some work that I need to point back at myself and, and heal in. Right. Um, those, the, so just the, the idea of the constructs that we put on God, right. And how do we get back to the unconditional love? How do we get back to that? Carrie, <laughs> you're, you're making me think of, um, you know, there's that popular song, Chris Tomlin wrote good, good father. Uh-huh. And, yeah, that one. <laughs> you know, but I you know what the thing is, I love that song. Me but, too. <laughs> but every time I listen to it, I'm hoping that not everybody loves it because <laughs> because if you're not thinking more broadly that God is more than a good father but has the best yes. father qualities. Yes. Uh, you know yes. that we we can uh you know hold on to uh, but God's a good mother and a sister and brother and so many other yes. things. And non-binary parents. And, and non-binary, <laughs> exactly. All those things, you know, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And uh, and I realize, like, you're you're challenging my thinking because you're making me go, oh, okay, what constructs have I put around God to make God um, more on my side, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. as my as my defense and my guardian against the traumas that have been inflicted upon me. Um, and then also, how can I recognize when that's at play in other people and view that with compassion rather than whatever human response I might have, you know? That's, I mean, to me, that's if, if it, and again, to further this kind of going back to what I was saying before in context to uh, when I was sort of teaching that bit, it's that you're uh, our let's say our constructs uh, are getting in the way uh, to to the point where um, we're never going to fully know. You know, e- even if it, you know, if if I walk in with a construct of you, Carrie, into a conversation, oh, Carrie's this woman I met online, and da da da, and that's who you are. Um, I won't get to know the real you at all. 
And chances are really, right. really, really, right. I'll never know the real you. But maybe, maybe I'll, have a, uh, I'll get lucky and have an insight. And, and I think this model, you can, you can apply it again and again and again in all of your relationships. And I look at my past relationships, uh, whether friendships, romantic, whatever, and I'll go back and go, man, you were so uptight, Mac. <laughs> yeah. um, all those constructs, <laughs> all those constructs actually destroyed those relationships. Mm. You know, the fact is, I don't ever want to say to my son, like, I know you and you are this in, in the sense mm -hmm. of to box him in. And, and I had that done to me. And we're yes. sure we've all experienced it to some extent um, from our parents. Yep. Um, hopefully, hopefully it's not true. But, <laughs> but um, and I'm just like, man, because again, it's that same concept. We love moment to moment to moment to moment. And that's a continuous job. I really screw that up sometimes. <laughs> I really screw it up. But you get back, you get right back on the horse, yeah. acknowledge how you screwed up and you keep moving on, you know? And, and that's, I think it's, that's important. And so if, if one seeks a relationship with God, then that's going to have to be applied as well. Just keep getting on. I that posted horse. on Instagram last week, um, Love is always curious. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and that was really good. I, you know, yeah. I mean, once I've got you defined and nailed down, it's not love. You know, it's a power mm -hmm. play. Yeah, because mm -hmm. now I have expectations of you. And it, when you stop living exactly. up to them, then you're, you're in the doghouse, right? Yeah. Yeah, y yeah, yeah. That's good precisely. Stuff. It's, not, it's, it, it's not your responsibility to live up to my construct. You know, and when I started to realize Ooh, that in my, in my yeah. marriage, when I started to realize that in my marriage, it was like somebody just got a giant king salmon that had been dead for quite some time and slapped me across the face with it <laughs> as hard as they could. And I was just like, oh, you complete and utter fool. You know, what are you doing? You know, and that, this, this, these things kind of come through therapy, you know, but, but I was just like, no, it's not her responsibility to to meet the to meet these needs that I say, well, it's a part of marriage. You're supposed to do, you know, let's no. Wait a minute. You're you're your own responsibility. Wow. And it doesn't mean we're not a family. It doesn't mean we're not a community. Um, it doesn't mean that we're not there for each other. Um, so I'm not trying to preach any sort of Randian philosophy here, but more so around just take responsibility and wipe your own backside. You know. yeah. Mac, this is, this is, you know, uh, first of all, this is the longest conversation we've had yet. Yes. Uh, the longest I'm interview. Sorry. And, and no, no it's I mean, good. it's so good that uh, I just now I was thinking this is this is what they mean when you when, you know, you're you're watching a talk show on television and they say, you know, go to our website after this is over because the conversation goes on and I kind of have that feeling right now, like we can just keep going. And, um, yeah. you know, we've taken a lot of your, your morning and I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, we, we will have a, an open invitation to, uh, to bring you back, uh, and talk more. I, I'd love to come back. Um, I, uh, I, this, I was hesitant in certain ways, uh, because these are things that, especially in context to, you know, uh, m m my Christian experience, it talked to in sort of closed circles. I was talking to my little sister, Querida, about this, this whole thing. 
And she was so encouraging. And she just said, you go and you tell your truth. And uh, so I was like, yeah, this is actually a little bit cathartic, isn't it? <laughs> so we're all getting some. So <laughs> good, anything good. I said, if, any, if anything I said, though, goes to help someone else's experience or provide some sort of insight into their, their own trauma or experience, then awesome. It's, so now, now that you bring this up, do you think that any of your siblings would be interested in uh, in oh. sharing with us? Uh, well, maybe Querida. She, I would say that she's got a particular journey in context to Christianity, um, and you know, I have other siblings who are still practicing fundamentalist Christianity. Um, so yes, I know you, you a... actually sent, uh, one couple to <laughs> yes, me I did. a couple, few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. It was around the time my son came out. Um, so, um, yeah. yeah. Um, so I would say that, uh, I don't know. I, I would think, I think she might, she might be, you know, I'm going to buy her, put you guys in contact, but, um, okay. yeah, okay. she's a very wise cool. young woman. It's been such a pleasure to get to know you. Thank you so much for this time. Oh, thank you so yeah. much for having me. This did not I really, really enjoyed it. I've been, I've been like all week, I've been thinking, you know, oh, we're going to have Matt James on here. And I just knew it was going to be rich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you both so much. It's really been a pleasure to, to be here with you and, and hang out and get to chat. Awesome. Our love to your your whole family. Uh, and my love to And especially your son. Yeah. Thank yes. You. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. As we say here, kaki day. Thank you so much for being here today. We are people who have left behind performance-based religion and the shame that comes with it. Maybe you have a personal liberation story to tell and we want to know about it please contact us on Twitter at God is not an asshole or text 805-703-8393 because the world needs to know that God is not an asshole.